gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to My Two Cents Podcast. This is episode 108, which is entitled Business As Usual. I'm your host, G2. And before I get into today's topics, I want to give you guys the National Food Days of the Week. Today being January 8th, it is English Toffee Day. Tomorrow, January 9th, it is Crosslet Day, as well as Apricot Day. Crosslet is basically a casserole with white beans, some meat, and some vegetables. January 10th, it is Bittersweet Chocolate Day. January the 11th, it is Hot Toddy Day, as well as Milk Day. January 12th, it is Glazed Donut Day, Curry Chicken Day, and Mazapan Day. January the 13th, it is Peach Malba Day, as well as Gluten Free Day. Now to end it off, January the 14th, it is Hot Pastrami Sandwich Day. Now, with the National Food Days out of the week, you know what time it is. I got to get into some condolences because, as I said in the title, it is business as usual. Death is a constant reoccurring thing. Um, we have Fred White, who was the drummer for Earth, Wind & Fire. He died at the age of 67. Chris Ledesma, he was the guy who was the musical editor for all seasons of The Simpsons for more than 700 episodes. So from the premiere of 1989 to the mid-2022, he was basically their musical editor. So... Recipes to him. He died at the age of 64. We have Gangsta Goo, who was a rapper, who was a part of the founding members of 3-6 Mafia. She died at the age of 43. We have James Buster Corley, who was half of the founders for Dave and Busters, who died at the age of 72. We have Ken Block, who was a pro rally driver and also a YouTube personality. Uh, he died at the age of 55. We have Tristan Thompson's mother, uh, Andrea Thompson, who died this week as well. And to cap it off, we have Quentin Williams, who was the age of 39. He was a Democrat from Connecticut. He died in a crash this week after he was sworn in for his third term. So, again, 2023 has come off as a lot of people dying. A lot of people have died real rapidly, real quickly. So, again, this allows people to know, hey... We don't have as much time on this earth as you think that we do. So again, spend as much time as you can with your loved ones. Don't get into stupid situations with people that you don't care about. I just want to have that as a reminder to everyone. Please cherish any moment that you can with your loved ones and anybody that you truly uh, care about. Now, on to the first topic that I want to talk about is still the war between Moscow and Ukraine. Um, as this comes from the Associated Press, the Ukraine forces fired rockets at a facility in the eastern Donetsk region where Russian soldiers were stationed, killing 63 of them. Russian defense military said Monday in one of the deadliest attacks on the Kremlin's forces since the war began more than 10 months ago. To me, I see this as basically Ukraine's uh, retaliation for the Russian soldiers or Russian military striking the Ukraines whenever the New Year's just began. So this was basically their retaliation back to them. So again, we're still going on with the fight between Ukraine and Russia. America just pled to give them more aid in their fight to fight the Russian soldiers, Russian uh, military. Again, this is still a thing that should not be going down right now. As of right now of this recording, I know the Kremlin has said there should be a ceasefire right now. So I'm hoping that uh, there's going to be some type of restraint. I'm hoping that Vladimir Putin can talk to the Ukraine uh, president and they can get this crap settled away because it's almost been a whole entire year since 
this whole travesty has been going on between both nations here. Again, one nation attacking another nation, not just two, just constantly just wanting to do war is literally Russian uh, forces attacking Ukraine. Ukraine has to be on the defense and having to swap back at them. So hopefully we are coming close to an end with this. Not just for my sakes, because again, I live in the States, but for the sakes of people that live in Ukraine and also people that live in Russia, because I know there's people that lost loved ones on both sides. There's people on the Ukraine side that have lost houses, they lost family members, they lost friends, they lost everything. People on Russia, you've seen people try to get out of Russia to not even get dragged into the war, to be in going into the military. There's been a video of this. So... People in Russia don't even want to do this. So now, hopefully, with the ceasefire that Vladimir Putin has put out there, hopefully, and I truly mean this, hopefully, uh, this whole war between both of these nations will finally come to an end. And still, thoughts and prayers to both nations. Again, for the people that are in the Ukraine or people that left Ukraine, their home, I have my thoughts and prayers to you and also to the people in the Russian military and the people in Russia. Because again, as I stated before, they don't want to do this, but they got to follow orders. And I have my thoughts and prayers for the family members of people that are just following orders. So thoughts and prayers to both nations. Now on to the next topic, as this comes from Yahoo News, Idaho killing suspect Brian Kohlberger linked through DNA, cell phone data, and witness. Investigators were able to identify the suspect in the killings of four University of Idaho students through a combination of DNA evidence, cell phone records, surveillance footage, and a witness who said she saw him leave the scene of the crime according to newly released court documents. According to an affidavit unsealed on Thursday, authorities identified Brian Kohlberger, a 28-year-old PhD student and teaching assistant in the Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology at Washington State University as the lone suspect in the November 13 stabbings of four Idaho students. A surviving roommate told authorities that she heard crying, opened her door, and saw a man in black clothes and a mask walking past her in the house on the night of the killings. The roommate identified in the affidavit as DM says she didn't recognize the man who walked towards the backsliding glass door as she stood frozen and in shock. She described the intruder as 5'10 or taller and not very muscular, but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. Law enforcement later determined that Kohlberger matched the description the surviving witness provided. Police also described a tan leather knife sash laying next to one of the victim's bed, according to the affidavit. The sash was stamped with a U.S. Marine Corps insignia, and was processed by the Idaho State Lab, which located a single source of male DNA left on its button's stamp. On December 27, FBI agents in Pennsylvania recovered the trash from Kohlberger's family residence in Albertsville, Pennsylvania, and sent it into the lab in Idaho, which matched the DNA profile obtained from the trash and the DNA profile obtained from the sash. So they end up getting Kohlberger on December 30th. He waived his extradition to Idaho where he was arraigned on murder charges. Authorities have not publicly identified a motive for the killings. According to the unsealed affidavit, a data from Kohlberger's cell phone suggests he was in the area of the area victim's residence on at least 12 occasions prior to the night of the killings. The affidavit also stated that Reddit survey posted by Kohlberger as an undergraduate student sought participants for a research project to understand how emotions and psychological traits influence decision making when committing a crime. So right now they have all that. They think they have their right guy. I, again, I'm still going to be waiting out. I'm not going to say anything bad about this guy yet because again, 
I need to know motive. I need to know all this type of stuff. If they say they got DNA evidence, they got all this stuff, they got cell phone uh, data, they got the surveillance footage, they even got genetic evidence left at the scene. All right, cool. That's what they have. I'm hoping that is the right thing because if this guy is not the guy, we probably got some problems. I just want the families of the four college students uh, to get some justice and get some peace from this because this is all still weird. There is no motive to this. There is no... Uh, motive that has been released so far they need to find a motive for this whole killing because again if this is just a random killing this is not good if there was some motive behind it it's still not good but you at least can see where somebody's mind was at whenever this whole tragedy took place and again we're all in the public eye just trying to figure out what's the deal what's the problem what what what's the underlining thing with this Kohlberger guy because again we all don't know People around Kohlberger might know who he truly is. People might not. Again, I have no idea with this. I'm just trying to figure this stuff out just like everybody else. I'm going to be waiting. Again, I want to know the motive. I want to know what type of surveillance footage they got of him because they just say they got surveillance footage. Okay, what what was it? Do you have him leaving the area? Do you have him walking up to the home? What type of surveillance footage do you have? Like, I don't understand it. They say that they got surveillance footage of his uh, vehicle, like, near the scene. Okay. And I don't... I, mm, that's, that's not going to carry everything because of cars driving by someplace. Okay, cool. That's just a car driving. That doesn't mean that you guys got him walking into the building, walking into the home, and doing all this type of stuff. You guys need some more sufficient evidence. But again... Certain things don't need to have that much sufficient evidence as long as you be able to tie it in. You have a good lawyer to tie everything in and you could prosecute this guy and get him thrown into jail or prison, might I add. So, again, I'm just going to be waiting just like everybody else. There's going to be more details coming in the following weeks because this is hot topics. Not hot topics. This is actual big news because this whole murder crap has happened in November they arrested the guy at the end of December, and now they're finally starting to get details at the beginning of January. So I'm pretty sure within the next couple of weeks, we're going to get more details, more information on who Brian Kohlberger is and if he had any relations with any of the four uh, college students here. So I'm just going to buy my time and wait. And once I find anything out, I'm going to let you guys know what I found out. So off to the next topic. As this comes from NBC News and Daily Mail, six-year-old in custody at the Virginia teacher injured in elementary classroom shooting. A six-year-old who police say opened fire in a Virginia classroom and seriously injured a teacher was in custody Friday, police said. This was not an accidental shooting, Newport News Police Chief Steve Drew said. No students were injured in the afternoon shooting at Richneck Elementary School in Newport News, police said in a statement. The shooting happened in a first grade classroom and the child and teacher who knew each other were apparently alone, Drew said at the evening news conference. The altercation was between a six-year-old, the student who did have the firearm, and the teacher, and then a round was fired, the chief said. The teacher, a woman in her 30s, was hospitalized, officials said. Well, now this coming from the Daily Mail, the woman wasn't in her 30s, she's actually 25, and her name is Aubrey Warner. She was an educator who struck in the chest so she got hit in the chest by the six-year-old she was rushed to the hospital for surgery after officials said earlier that evening that warner was critically injured and no further updates have been shared at the time of this recording again still there are warnings or updates about miss warner's uh 
critical or her condition at the time. Big question here for me is that how did that six-year-old get the gun? Matter of fact, scratch that. We all can figure out how the six-year-old got the gun. Probably a parent had it uh, left out or the child just knows exactly where to get the gun from. Again, it's this is still weird. Getting that news on a Friday, it was weird because, again, you don't expect a six-year-old to have a gun and shoot a teacher in the chest or just shoot a teacher in general or even shoot a classmate. It's weird. The police said that this was not a accidental. This was a deliberate shooting. One, how do you know it was deliberate for a six-year-old? That's pretty weird. But again, I don't know what type of six-year-old we were dealing with here or what they were dealing with. Because there are certain six-year-olds are smarter than other six-year-olds. That's just what it is in life. There's people that are smarter than others. But again, just to hear a six-year-old shooting a teacher, it's pretty weird. I think they need to go and look at the parents and ask them, okay, what was the conditions of the household there or what was the conditions with the child and the teacher? Was the kid keep on getting bad grades? What what was the deal? I don't I'm just trying to figure out a motive or something for this. Again, I'm gonna be waiting for this. I hope that the news will constantly cover this. If not, I'm gonna be looking into it myself on the news. And what I mean by that news covering it, I mean like the national news covering it. I know like the local news for uh Virginia are gonna be covering this, so I'm gonna be looking at the updates constantly to see if she uh, passed away or not, or if she's just going to be recovering from the shooting. So again, as more details are to come out, hopefully I'm going to be able to, again, bring it back to this podcast and talk to you guys about it. But right now, just hearing about a six-year-old shooting a teacher in the chest, still weird, still not uh, sitting right with me or anything like that. But again, parents, lock your guns away. Do not show your kids where your guns are, any of that nature. Uh, again, this was big weird, but again, this is just more information for the parents to know. Lock your guns away. Do not allow your children to get in your gun uh, cabinets or gun safety box wherever you place your guns. Now, off to the next topic. The NFL. The NFL this week, you could say, has had a busy week. Um, I'm just going to start with the most recent uh, topic. Uh, this is coming from Complex. Former NFL player Peyton Hillis reportedly in ICU after saving his kids from drowning. Former Cleveland Browns running back Peyton Hillis is reportedly in critical condition in intensive care after saving his kids in the ocean, according to News Herald. Now, when the news was floating around, Peyton's uncle Greg would go to Facebook to write up a post to let everyone know what the situation was. He would say that I just wanted to let everyone know on the Razorback Nation that Peyton is doing better. Greg wrote to the fans of the Arkansas Razorbacks, the college that Peyton attended. He's still in intensive care and having some problems with his kidneys and his lungs, but doctors say he is improving. I just wanted to head off any rumors that may be started. I'm sure he would want everyone to know that he appreciates all the prayers being thrown up on his behalf. So we have that update for Peyton. Again, prayers up to Peyton and I hope that he gets himself well. I'm glad that he's doing fine because he saved his kids from the ocean. Um, we didn't have a tragedy in that situation, unlike a couple years ago where a wrestler, Shag Aspar, his son, was being pulled into the ocean. And unfortunately, Shag Aspar was able to save his son, but he was not able to save himself and he died in the ocean. So again, recipes of Shag Aspar, and that did not happen here from Mr. Peyton. So again, I'm glad that didn't happen to him. He's in the ICU recovering and uh, prayers to him for his soon uh, safety recovery. Now, to the main topic that dominated the NFL this week, it was Buffalo Bills player uh, DeMar Hamlin. He got hit on Monday's football game. He got uh, dropped to the floor. Well, 
he got up and then he just dropped to the floor. He was having a cardiac arrest. Um, a medical professional on the Bills team happened to resuscitate him on the field. And then he got took into the hospital. He had to get resuscitated again through this week. But again, now he's breathing on his own. They took out his uh, breathing tube. Um, he's breathing on his own. And from CNN Sports, apparently he talked to his teammates and he is uh, giving them some type of confidence for tonight's uh, regular season uh, finale for their football game. As CNN Sports would say, uh, just days after his stunning on-field cardiac arrest, Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin is breathing on his own and speaking to family, physicians, and teammates. Positive updates that Bills players say will booster them in the weekend's matchup against the New England's Patriots. To hear him talk to us, it was everything, and that's what we needed. Literally, that's all we needed. Buffalo's offensive tackle, Deion Dawkins, said of the team's Friday video call with Hamlin, who was still undergoing treatment at a Cincinnati hospital. Hamlin, who was sedated and placed on a ventilator after he collapsed Monday, began awaking late this week and was able to have his breathing tube removed before Friday morning, physicians have said. So he's getting himself together. His body is starting to hopefully get itself back on track. But there's a big talking point here with the NFL, and I just want to play you guys a clip of something. This was a debate that uh, Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless basically got into because of Skip Bayless's uh, tweet that he put up after the hit happened on Monday night's football game and also the recourse that Shannon Sharp took because he was not on their Undisputed show Tuesday, but he came back Wednesday. So here's the clip. There's been a lot of speculation of why I wasn't on air yesterday, and I won't get into speculation or conjecture or innuendo, but I will say this. In watching that game on Monday night, uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin struck me a little different. Um, as a brotherhood in the NFL, when injuries happen, when we know injuries are a part of the game, I've seen guys suffer ACLs and Achilles tear, but I've never seen anybody have to be revived and fight for their life on the field. So it struck me a little differently because I remember seeing my brother paralyzed on the field temporarily, and he was able to regain focus. Um, Skip tweeted something, and although I disagree with the tweet, uh, and, and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yes. time out, time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand by okay. what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. finish. Let me, All right, okay. Go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead, let's go, Jen. Okay. I mean, I cannot even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back, Skip. Well, I thought, Skip, just let me. I, I didn't I, know I, you were going to bring no, up No, this. I was just going to say, Skip, I didn't want to yesterday to get into a situation where DeMar Hamlin was the issue. We should have been talking about him and not get into okay. your not get into your uh, uh, your tweet. That's what I was going to do. But you can't even let me finish my opening monologue without you interrupting. Okay. I was under the impression you weren't going to bring this up because nobody here had a problem with no, that tweet. No. Clearly, the bosses wanted you to offer explanations. So clearly, somebody. No, they did not have. The, nobody. Let's go, Jen. Thoughts and prayers remain with Demar Hamlin. That's where the focus should have been, and not on the football game. Yes, let's go, Jen. Thank you. Now, for the people that don't know the tweet that Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp are referencing in their little dispute right here, that Skip Bayless would tweet out after the Demar Hamlin hit on Monday Night Football's. Uh, game he would tweet out no doubt the nfl is considering postponing the rest of the game but how this late in the season a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome which suddenly seems so irrelevant so when he tweeted that out you would know that people online and people just in general are going to get at skip bayless because of the tweet because it's so inhumane you don't think about the game you gotta think about somebody's life that 
at this point right now, you didn't know if he was going to live or die on that field. And Skip would have to retweet, well, not retweet, he would have to uh, tweet back by saying, nothing is more important than that young man's health. That was the point of my last tweet. I'm sorry if that was misunderstood, but his health is all that matters. Bayless would tweet to respond to people that were questioning his humanity and all that stuff. So when Shannon Sharp comes back on the show, as you guys just heard from the back and forth with them, I hear that Shannon Sharp is not really happy with Skip for not taking that tweet down. Now, Skip, as you just heard, said that he was not going to take the tweet down because he stand by those sentiment. As a person that is hard-headed myself, if you are being told by someone that you respect that, hey, you probably want to take that down, you probably might want to take that down, or at least you have a conversation with that person and understand, hey, why do I need to take that down or all that type of stuff if you're still not understanding why they're telling you you want to take something down or you might want to apologize for something. But if you find it in your heart that you did nothing wrong, then okay, you don't apologize, you don't remove the tweet. In this instance right here, I feel that the tweet should have been taken down just off of human decency, just after everything that everybody has seen at that moment, you take that tweet down. I did not know this injury, this situation happened until people start tweeting about it. And then I go to Twitter on my mentions and I see it. Okay. And I see the action. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I started seeing the players uh, surrounding Hamlin and they're all just trying to just like see what's going on and all that type of stuff. People were saying they were making a prayer circle. People were worried about him, which I can understand wholeheartedly because when I saw this incident, it brought me back to uh, a wrestling pay-per-view that happened, I believe, in 1999. It was Owen Hart over the edge. It was the death of Owen Hart. Now, you can watch the pay-per-view on WWE Peacock, but they're not going to show you the incident, but you get the drift where I'm about to get at with this. People that don't know, Owen Hart was a wrestler that happened to die at this pay-per-view. He was going to do a stunt where he was going to be basically zip-lined from the top of the arena, quote-unquote say, to the mat, to the ring. But his harness happened to snap, and his body just popped on the ring, and throughout the pay-per-view, um, the commentators, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler, Jim Ross will have to announce to the people that Owen Hart had passed away. So the wrestlers backstage, they have talked about this on podcasts. They have talked about this in interviews. Nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew what to do, no nothing. But Vince McMahon told them, hey, we got to continue on. We got to continue going. The show keeps going. And the wrestlers had to compete in that ring where a man just died. And that left a sour taste in people's mouths. As a matter of fact, that still leaves a sour taste in Owen Hart's wife's mouth, Martha Hart, to the point that she doesn't want nothing to do with the WWE. She doesn't want Owen Hart in that Hall of Fame. She doesn't want WWE to have anything to do with Owen Hart to the point that she went over to WWE's competition, AEW, and now AEW, who is the newest kid in the block, who started their promotion in 2019, they're able to use Owen Hart's name. They're able to use anything to do with Owen Hart because she had conversation with the owner, Tony Khan, and know that he's a wrestling fan, and she feels that she can trust Owen Hart's likeness and all that stuff to him more than Vince McMahon, the man that could have stopped that pay-per-view. So Vince McMahon is still being looked at. The WWE is still being looked at in some type of way off of that incident alone when people think about Owen Hart. Now, for the NFL, on the flip side, 
they decided to postpone the game, but later on throughout the week, they decided that they're just going to cancel the game. That game is not happening no more. And Blase, both teams go about their business. So my thing with this is that NFL did the right thing by canceling it. They did the right thing by just calling the game off after this situation because human life is more important than the bottom dollar. And Skip Bayless was thinking about the bottom dollar. He was thinking about owners. He was thinking about just as a sports fanatic, what about the game? What about this and that? That's all Skip Bayless's whole thing is. And if you know Skip Bayless, which I didn't know Skip Bayless until years ago, and I had to do some research and I heard how he would speak on interviews and all this type of stuff, his whole life, literally, as an adult man, revolves around sports. Legit. You can go to interviews and uh, podcasts that he's talked about just personal things about how he has literally chosen sports over certain aspects in his life. So he's dedicated to sports as a sports analyst. He's truly dedicated to the sport. So on one end, you got to commend Skip Bayless for that. But on this end right here, in this situation right here, that takes a back seat. This is all about human. This is all about showing your human nature. This is all about showing that part of you that nobody has to teach you to be humane, to think about the person that got laid out on the field, to think about the person that is dealing with something and that you guys are all witnessing at the exact same time. This isn't something that you read in the history books and then you're like, okay, that happened in history. No, you saw that with your own eyes. You saw a man drop to the ground and have to be resuscitated on the field. So again, this was all about human compassion. And Shannon Sharp, he wasn't feeling Skip. You could tell that right now by the way that Shannon was interrupted by Skip because Skip felt that he was attacked by Shannon's whole, uh, by saying that Skip should take the tweet down and she Skip just felt that he was attacked off that because he straight up said, that, hey, I thought that we weren't going to talk about this. So with that comment, Skip felt that he had the need to retort at the time. What he could have done is let Shannon just continue with his monologue and then after that say hey listen I respect your monologue but I don't like the fact that you kind of went at me in the monologue for saying I should take the tweet down and then that's whenever I think they could have a healthy conversation on air about why he should have taken the tweet down so that's just my thing on that so now with DeMar Hamlin getting better and now that he's talking on his own I'm hoping that Skip would take the tweet down. I'm not certain if it's still up right now. I didn't check it, but hopefully that tweet is down and hopefully somebody from the NFL, somebody that Skip Bayless respects, uh, would have talked to him and tell him the reason why he needs to take that tweet down. And hopefully he did. Again, I'm not certain if he did or didn't, but that was a big like thing right now. That was a big thing, the human decency side. And again, this just tells you right here, big business does not care about people. If you are somebody that's working in a field, whether it be sports, whether it be a white collar, blue collar job, remember, you just are a little clog in the machine. You can easily be replaced when your time is up or when they deem your time is up. And that's it. Usually they'll give you a condolences. They'll give you a severance package if you get fired or if you retire. They'll give you some type of whatever they give you. But that's it. They will get another clog to fit your position that you used to be in and just discard you at will. 
So for all the football players, all the basketball players, all the hockey players, soccer players, anybody that's in the athletic profession, entertainment profession, get your money and just get out. That's all it's about because they will always replace you. Get your money and get out. Please remember that. If anything else, this right here showed everybody, one, that NFL players have some compassion, and two, that there's always going to be people online that's going to be wondering about the game and that you should always play it out. Again, for me, I didn't see it. I saw the aftermath, and I saw everybody's aftermath with the tweets. Everybody was all on the side of human nature of calling the game off. This game shouldn't continue and wish the NFL did a bye-bye. I appreciate the NFL for that. I appreciate Roger Goodell for that. And uh, yeah, that's just what it is. And Skip, again, please listen to your co-host, Shannon Sharp. He's an NFL Hall of Famer. He has respect from everybody in the sports world. If he tells you you probably want to take the tweet down, you probably want to take the tweet down. This is not the time for uh, argument's sakes because you feel that you didn't do nothing wrong. No, just take the tweet down, buddy. Take the tweet down. Now, on to the next topic as this comes from the Associated Press. As it states, judge slashes damages awarded in deadly Charlesville rally. A federal judge has slashed millions of dollars from the damages a jury ordered white nationalist leaders and organizations to pay for their role in the violence that erupted during the deadly Unite the Right rally in Charlesville in 2017. U.S. District Judge Norman Moon ordered the $24 million in punitive damages reduced to a $350,000 cap imposed under a Virginia law. Moon upheld the $2 million in compensatory damages awarded by the jury in November 2021. The reduction in damages was expected because of the 1988 state law, which says that juries should not be told about the cap. But if a jury awards more than $350,000 in punitive damages, the judge must reduce the award. Moon's ruling also affirmed the jury's central findings that the defendants, including some of the most well-known white nationalists in the country, were liable under a state conspiracy law for planning and participating in the rally. The lawsuit was filed by nine people who alleged they were physically injured, emotionally scarred, or both by the violence that erupted in August 2017 when hundreds of white supremacists traveled to Charlesville to protect city plans to remove a statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee. During a march on the University of Virginia campus on August 11th, white nationalists chanted, well, Jews will not replace us, surrounded counter-protesters, and threw tiki torches at them. The following day, James Alex Fields Jr. and avid Hitler admirer intentionally drove his car into a crowd of counter-protesters, killing 32-year-old Heather Heyer and injuring many others. Clashes between white nationalists and anti-racism protesters prompted authorities to declare the gathering on August 12th an unlawful assembly and to order crowds to disperse. It was after that announcement that Fields rammed his car into a group of counter-protesters. So there you go right here. I'm not shocked by this. This is another southern state. It was in Virginia. I don't like that. There's a law to tell people, hey, here's a cap. Here's how much you can pay. Because they were ordered to pay $24 million in punitive damages, which they should. But now it got reduced down to $350,000. That's not a lot of money. Well, it is a lot of money. Let me correct that. $350,000 is a lot. But for the damages that they've done and the damages that they were trying to do to these people for just wanting to get a Confederate uh, statue down. Come on, dog. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. They, we, we have a cap. On something like this. It's not fine. It's not cool. You should be able to do that. Now, I didn't see a lot of like news 
publications talk about this. I didn't see ABC, NBC, CNN, CBS. I don't remember seeing none of them this week talking about this. And this thing got popped up, what, Wednesday, where the Associated Press wrote about this. So if anything, they should have had it on Thursday or Friday to talk about this. Hopefully in the next, this upcoming week, they're going to talk about this because I think the rest of the nation should know about this. This is disgusting. This is the Tiki Torch situation. This is nasty. This is complete nastiness because if people know that there's a cap, they're going to start doing a lot of stupid things and know, okay, I'm not going to pay that because guess what? It's going to be reduced down to a amount of money that I'm willing to pay or amount of money that I'm like, okay, I'm still not going to pay that, but I'll pay somewhere around that to, uh, this is just nastiness. This is just legal games. It's complete disgusting. And also this year was the two year anniversary of the insurrection. Uh, again, I don't like that. We are dragging our feet, and I don't mean to say we as in like the people that are regular civilian. I'm talking about we as the people that are in the freaking offices, the people that actually make the laws and actually can prosecute people. It's taking them a long time to just get at people that did the insurrection. You guys are taking a long time. This should be criminal offenses. This should be criminal charges. Going at the state, going at the nation, that's terrorism. That's legit terrorism. That's in-state terrorism. As a matter of fact, that's in-nation terrorism. You are committing treason to your own country. What are we doing here? I still don't understand how you guys are not putting criminal charges on all these idiots that did these things. It doesn't make sense to me. We still got to wait for everything. You guys are able to find out who did this, who did that. They only spent, what, a couple months in jail or a year or two in jail? My God. <sighs> I'm going to throw it back like this. If it was anybody else, any other skin color, any color, any other nationality, you would have thrown the book at them. We have gotten people, and I don't mean to try to compare both, but I got to do it because this is just where the bar is set. You got people who are of Middle Eastern descent from the Boston Marathon bombing to 9-11 situations, you have people from the Middle East that are in the states that committed these situations, and you have them on death row. The kid who was part of his brother for the Boston Marathon bombing, he's part of death row right now. You mean to tell me that we can't get some of these people that busted up a freaking building and try to go after your top-of-the-top-line political figures and all these people you mean to tell me their legit cause, their legit whole freaking mission statement was to go up in there and try to attack some of our top political figures? You mean to tell me we can't charge them with any type of criminal crimes and have them be in jail for a long period of time instead of what, two, three, five years? That's not a lot of time for the type of action and type of crime that they committed. That is criminal crap. And for the people that were with them, my God, that is a part that's... What do they like to call that? That's called aiding and abetting. No, 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 no. Aiding and abetting is whenever you have a criminal in your midst and you are hiding them away. You are a participant to the crime. Just like if somebody is in a car and you drive to a store, somebody goes into the store, shoot up somebody, you drive the shooter away and you and him both get, what, arrested, you're going to be now tagged with helping that man or helping that female kill that store clerk in that 
freaking store. You never ever stepped foot in that store. You were just a driver. You are now being tagged with that as well. These people that went to the Capitol, I don't see not a one facing mad criminal charges like this. This is disgusting. This whole thing is nastiness. It's disgusting. This with the whole Charlottesville thing is nasty. I don't like it. I disprove of it. It's terrible on all levels. It's terrible. Nobody can tell me. Nobody can try to explain to me how we are cool with this. Well, we're always going to be cool with it because, well, we know who committed these crimes, don't we? We know the skin color. We know what nation we're in. That's how I'm always able to tell everybody that always has a big problem with it. I'm always able to stop at them and say, okay, what skin color are you? And what skin color was the people that did this? You do the math. You look at this nation's whole history with any other skin color except for white people. What is the punishment? Is always white people get lesser crimes while all the other nationalities, they get more harsher crimes. That's just a part of life in this country. It is what it is. People might not like me for saying it, but it's the truth. I just wish that we could change that. And hopefully in the years to come, it will change. But right now, it's not. Now off to the next topic, as this comes from Los Angeles Times, as it reads, the cartel lays siege to Mexican City at the recapture of the son of El Chapo. Armed men took hostages, burned vehicles, and stormed an airport in northern Mexico on Thursday after federal forces captured the son of El Chapo. The 33-year-old drug boss was arrested after a pre-dawn gunfight in a town north of the city of Culiacan, a stronghold of El Chapo's cartel. Even as the cartel mounted attacks across the state, the Air Force was able to fly the son of El Chapo to Mexico City, said the Mexican Security of Defense. Officials canceled flights, suspended school, and ordered residents to shelter in place as cartel members threw up road blockades in multiple cities, injuring at least 25 security forces and killing one. The recapture of the younger Chapo came days after a scheduled visit to Mexico by President Biden, the first trip to the country by a U.S. president since 2014. Many speculated that the arrest was probably timed in part to please the Americans who have grumbled about the efficiency of the Mexican's president's hugs, not bullets, crime-fighting strategy, and protection of a former defense minister charged by the U.S. prosecutors for collaborating with organized crime. Now, after just hearing all this, here's my take on this. I'm going to say forget all that. Mexico cannot do nothing when it comes down to El Chapo and his cartel and El Chapo's son. We're just going to call a spade a spade. America has El Chapo. His son is in Mexico. The last time his son got arrested, their cartel just started tearing everything up. They start shooting up places. They are setting things on fire. I mean, they just start doing whatever they can to get the Mexican authorities, uh, uh, like attention to say, yo, hand me back our guy and we won't tear up anything more. So in the end, they ended up giving him back to them. So peace can be around for the Mexican, uh, civilians. So again, for me to hear the son be arrested again and to hear about, okay, there's more damages. There's been, again, people in their vehicles and everybody just start doing whatever they got to do to gain the Mexicans, uh, authorities, like attention to once again say, hey, give us back our guy. This is just a plain, yo, it's straight up. It is what it is. This is just like movies. Certain people you can grab, certain people you can't. The son of El Chapo, you cannot grab if you are in Mexico. Now, if the man was in the States or somewhere else, a part of the country, yes, sure, you can grab him because guess what? He is not in his country. He is not with his cartel where he is able to roam freely and basically do what he can do. But since he's in Mexico and he got captured in Mexico and his cartel home base is in Mexico, what do you think is going to happen? 
is going to be the exact same results that happened in 2019. A lot of cars being blown up, people get kidnapped, people get killed, people start shooting up things, vehicles start being demolished. I mean, it's just going to be mayhem in the streets of Mexico until they get their guy back. So for me, as an American looking at this, I know, okay, so the son of El Chapo cannot be touched in Mexico. I don't know if the Mexican authority knows this. I don't know if the Mexican officials know this. I think they probably know this because, again, they said that they're trying to probably arrest him because Joe Biden is supposed to be coming down to Mexico. This has been the first time a president has been in that country since 2014. Again, I'm not certain about Biden going down there because he got to take care of some other things. However, just knowing this, I would say, yo, we got to let him go because, again, I would rather have my country be at peace with buildings and people and vehicles and nobody being taken hostage and like things just being fine instead of people being hostage, burned vehicles, people storming airports. I mean, just have peace. You just know who you can and cannot touch. And just hopefully you wait for the sun to probably go into another uh, country and then you could probably tag and say, hey, yo. The son of El Chapo is coming to your country. When soon as he gets there, arrest him or do something. Just try to pin something on him. That's the way I would try to go about it if I was a part of the country. If I was a person that was running the country, that would be me. Because again, you know what it is over here. You know what it is over there in Mexico. You know you can't grab him. So I hope that the Mexican officials do what they got to do to make everything right in Mexico. Again, it might not seem right to let him go, but I'd rather have peace and everything else instead of carnage and chaos and just everything be a rampage just for one guy. That's just my belief on that, but the Mexican authorities and the Mexican uh, constitution and all the rest of their uh, people in power will do what they have to do to gain any type of measure of respect from any other countries, at least in my personal belief that I believe that's what's going on. But again, not my business. I'm just here trying to let you guys know what's going on in the other country. Now off to the next topic as this come from Yahoo Entertainment and it's talking about the Real Housewife of Salt Lake City star Jen Shaw as she has been sentenced to six and a half years in prison for fraud. She'll be subject to five years of supervised release when she's freed. It's a harsher sentence than the three-year term the 49-year-old Bravo star was seeking. Shaw pleaded guilty for her role in a nationwide telemarketing scam that targeted the elderly and vulnerable. Jen Shaw deeply regrets the mistakes that she has made and is profoundly sorry to the people that she has hurt. Jen has faith in our justice system, understands that anyone who breaks the law will be punished, and accepts this sentence as just, as Jen Shaw would say to Yahoo Entertainment in a statement. Jen will pay her debt to society, and when she is a free woman again, she vows to pay her debt to the victims harmed by her mistakes. Now, in the article, it would state that in July, Shaw pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. The government claimed she and her co-conspirators victimized thousands of innocent people. The court carried a maximum sentence of 30 years in prison, but her plea deal with federal prosecutors called for a sentence of anywhere between 11 to 14 years in prison. Per the agreement, Shaw will also forfeit $6.5 million and pay restitution up to $9.5 million. The Justice Department requested 10 years behind bars, but as you can tell, she got six and a half years. Now, Shaw must surrender to prison on February 17th, 2023, so I believe that gives her time to still spend Valentine's Day with her husband and be around her loved ones, so she still got a month and a couple days to spend with her family. This right here brings up the old statement and the old saying, as usual in entertainment, if you're doing something illegal, do not 
try to be in the limelight. Do not be on TV. Do not try to be in films. Do not try to be a person that tries to get influence or influencer. Do not try to do anything of that magnitude or nature. Because guess what? You're only putting a light on yourself. You're putting pressure and you're putting nothing but <laughs> the block is hot on you. Because basically everybody's going to try to figure out what do you do for a living? Wow, how does she live in the big house or how does he live in a big house? How are they able to afford these types of things? That's human nature. We're all curious. Every single person is curious. When you see somebody doing well, either on television or in their personal life, when they'd like to take a photo or video of it for Instagram, Twitter, or any other social media site, you wonder, okay, how did they become this wealthy? How did they get this? What job do they do? Shoot, there's a TikToker that's basically, whenever he sees a nice car, somebody driving a nice car, he always asks them, what do they do? And that led to one of the guys I talked about in a couple episodes. That's how he got released from his job in Apple. So this tells you right here, we all, as humans, we are all curious. And for Jen Shaw to go on television, and she knows she's doing wrong. There's no way she didn't know. She knows she's doing wrong. She wanted to be on TV. This is the curse of reality TV. And I'm not even going to blame reality TV for this. This is the curse of just people just trying to get greedy. This is greed right here. You're already doing a crime. Stay in the back. Stay in the background. You didn't have to be on TV. But again, you wanted to be greedy. You want everybody to see you. You want everybody to see the facade life that you're living in. This is what happens. Now you're going to be spending your time in jail. Now, do I think she's going to be spending the whole six and a half years? No. Do I think she'll probably do probably what, two or three? Yeah. So that's about half of her time. Will she be doing the five-year supervised uh, release? Yes, she'll be supervised for those whole five years. But spending six and a half years in prison, that ain't happening. About two two to three years, I see that for Jen Shaw here. And anybody that's in reality TV, personally, they don't spend their whole time of their prison sentence. That never happens. It doesn't happen at all. Um, so again, for anybody that's doing anything wrong, don't try to do reality TV. Don't do it. Don't try to do reality TV. Don't try to make yourself an influencer. Don't try to make the block hot on you for absolutely no reason, especially since nobody's following you and nobody knows exactly who you are. That's just my personal uh, statement towards you because you can look at people every day. You can search this. It's not that hard. You can easily do a quick Google search on certain like social media people that have been to jail or what they went to jail for and why they got busted for what they did when they just easily could have just been in the background, commit the little easy crimes that they were doing, and they would have just never been in jail. So let that be another PSA to everyone. If you're doing crime, don't make the block hot for yourself. That's just pure idiocrity. Now, on to the last topic for today, as this comes from the Washington Post, as it reads, bad news for thousands of crypto investors, they don't own their account. More than half a million people who deposited money with the collapsed crypto leader Celsius Network have been dealt a major blow to their hopes of recovering their funds with the judge in the company's bankruptcy ruling that the money belongs to Celsius and not to the depositors. The judge found that Celsius' terms of use the lengthy contracts that many websites publish but few consumers read meant the cryptocurrency assets became Celsius' property. The ruling underscores the wild, wild west nature of the unregulated crypto industry. On Thursday, New York Attorney General moved to impose a kind of order or at least legal ramification on Celsius founder Alex Mashinsky, whom she accused of defrauding hundreds of thousands of consumers. 
crypto's fortunes have plummeted in recent months since Celsius became the first major crypto platform to implode last year. Its bankruptcy in July freezing at least $4.2 billion for 600,000 Americans according to court papers and foreshadowing the collapse of FTX four months later. And while the judge's ruling won't affect FTX, whose terms of use were different, some analysts saw the ruling as spreading beyond Celsius. So in layman's terms, what does that mean? It means that if you invested any money into Celsius, that is no longer yours. It never was yours to begin with. That money belonged to Celsius, period. So basically, you got scammed, ladies and gentlemen. That's basically what I'm reading from this and what I'm getting from this. You guys got scammed if you guys put money into the Celsius network, into that whole crypto currency for Celsius. You guys got scammed. That money was never ever yours. It belonged to them. That was under their property. So I don't understand something with this. How is that legal? How can the people not get their money back out of this? I understand that they went bankrupt and all that type of stuff, the company, but you mean to tell me that you guys are not allowing any of the 600,000 Americans who invested into that cryptocurrency to get any of their money back? You guys froze at least $4.2 billion straight up. You guys are not allowing them to get any of their money back. That makes absolute no sense to me. This is why I'm just going to be blunt with everybody right now. I spoke to the financial guy a couple months ago, and we talked about certain things, and I get what we talked about. And again, I'm still not under the whole financial literacy bubble here. I always work with layman's terms. Money is king. Cash, the dollar, is king. People have said that the dollar is going away. The dollar is never going away. The dollar is always going to be around because there's always going to be people like me that's always going to want to carry some money in their pockets better than a card. Now, do certain people have cards? Yes. Do certain people use Google Pay? Yes. There will always be other devices that now you could add your bank account onto that so you could pay for certain things. There's always going to be that function, but there's always going to be people that would like to have cold, hard cash money in their hands because it looks cooler, is a better visual, and also it is something that you can touch instead of just something that you can look at on the screen and say, okay, that's how much money I have in my bank account. You can whip out a wallet. You can whip out your purse and say, no, this is what I have tangible. I can touch it right now. This is what I have in my pocket, in what my wallet, my purse, whatever you carry your money in, this is what you have right now. It's tangible. You can touch it. So for cryptocurrency, I never understood how that whole business thing worked. I don't know how the stocks work. That whole thing is still trippy to me. I just want people to know, please be careful in anything you are going to invest in. Please be careful because cryptocurrency at one point, what, two years ago, a year ago, they were just the rage everybody was doing crypto people were doing crypto people were getting money off rich off of crypto and what was the other one it was crypto and it's not coming to me right now the other one but there was another one that people were just trying to get bank off oh no nfts there it is people were getting money and rich off of nfts to me i think both of those were just basically pump and dump pump and dump means hey yo i'm going to invest in this and as soon as the money goes up that's when I decided to sell it and get my money out, and that's all I need to do. See, that's me. If I ever were to invest anything, it's going to be me just pumping and dumping, me putting money in, and as soon as the prices go up, I'm pulling my money right out and tell them to sell it or do whatever they can do so I can get my money back with higher value than I did paying for it. 
that's all I'm going to be doing if I ever invest in something. But I don't see me doing that at all because, again, everything's a gamble. Because just right here, reading this, these 600,000 people that lost their money up to a at least $4.2 billion, that would piss me off. That would piss me off to tell it. Let me know that I can't get my money back, that my money was never my money after I deposited in and that it was their money. Oh no, dog! Somebody gotta, somebody gotta run me my fade. Somebody gotta straight up. I'm gonna run somebody's pockets. Somebody gots to give me my money back. I don't care how we doing this. I'm gonna get my money back some way somehow. I'm not saying for people to do that. I'm saying if it was me. I'm not saying for you. I'm saying if it was me. Okay. So again, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, if you are going to invest in something, invest in something that's tangible, something that you can touch, not something that you just read off of. A television screen that you see going up and down not something that you read off on a laptop or on your phone no invest in something that's tangible something like painting something like a building those are things that you can touch invest in those type of things that would be my best interest if I was you but again I'm not going to say that's what you should do I'm just saying if I had the capital to do it I would so again ladies and gentlemen please be careful with your money in 2023 now, before I truly do get you guys out of here, I just want to say one thing just real quickly. Valentine's Day is coming. Today is National Dating Day. I believe that everybody goes on their uh, apps and be swiping left and right. They try to find a date to try to basically see if that person is the right one for you or just basically you're dating someone. I think today is basically the precursor for some people to try to start a relationship. So for Valentine's Day to come up, you guys won't be lonely. You guys won't be just looking at the gram and looking at people just trying to flex their relationship status on you on Valentine's Day. That's my personal thing with this day. I think that's what's supposed to always supposed to meant to help the singles people. I hope everybody could find who they want to find today or if not that you're on your way to find the person that you want to spend your life with or at least you're in the beginning stages so you guys can start figuring each other out. That's just my whole thing and also women and fellas Valentine's Day is coming. Valentine's Day is going to sneak up really quick. I need you to start planning out your uh, details, what you're going to do with your significant others. Start planning it out. Start getting your gifts before it's too late. Because again, we're almost about to hit the middle of the month. It comes really quick. This first week of January, it flew by pretty quickly. Imagine how January is going to fly. And you don't want to be the person that has a significant other on Valentine's Day. And they question you, what did you do? What are we doing? Or what did you get me? And you're left with nothing in your hands. Don't be that partner. Be the partner that has something set for them or have dinner set for them or have a gift set for them. Have something ready for your partner on Valentine's Day. Please have that together. Please start getting those type of plans situated because, again, I want everyone to be in a nice, loving situation. I always want everybody to be courteous and kind to one another, each other, and I want everyone to just take care of each other. And Valentine's Day is that for people in relationships. So for if you're in a relationship, please take care of that. Do not fall short. Do not drop the ball. So I'm going to let you know every single week as Valentine's Day is coming so you can pound it into your head to get something done. Now, with that being said, I want to thank Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Audible, all the other podcast sites that have me up there. Without them, I wouldn't be able to be in the position that I'm in. And what I mean by that is that I wouldn't be able to throw this podcast out and allow you guys, the downloaders, the listeners, to download it and listen to me just basically rant and rave about topics every Saturday and Sunday. 
So again, I want to thank them. And I also want to thank you guys, the listeners who download this episode and download episodes for the past freaking two years now that have been helping me and allowing me to see the growth that I've been on. I want to thank you guys for just being with me on this ride and hopefully it will lead me to better ventures into 2023. And again, I want to thank you all for just sticking with me and also the new people that are coming aboard on this pod. I want to say hello and thank you too, because I hope you guys will enjoy the content that you're going to be receiving every Saturday and Sunday. So again, I want to thank you all. And with that being said, always remember, I love you, I love you. I love you all. I thank you. I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. Again, without you guys, it would be no podcast. It'd just be one guy just random raving into a basically a open space area with nobody listening. So again, I want to thank everyone for taking time out of their day to download the podcast and listen to it. And please go about your week in with love and kind and just trying to be sincere to everyone that you come across and just be courteous do not be a dick to anybody that you come across to this week even though someone's going to be a dick to you do not be a dick to them reply to them in kindness because guess what you can kill people with kindness and you they can get on your side they don't always have to be your arch nemesis trust me they will start either a leaving you alone because they know they can get to you or either b they'll start softening up and they'll start actually becoming either a friend or an associate to you so please be kind and courteous as well as be safe on these roads i don't want to see people get into accidents i don't want to read anything about that so again be safe on these roads so with all that being said also if you feel like you're going to transition self-transition if you have that in your mind please call the national hotline in my episode description i have that in every episode description please call that number if you are in the united states because i do not want to read about that i do not want to hear nothing about that i want people to live i want people to live their best life i know sundays are hard but you got to think about the future but trust me not every day is going to be a hard day there's going to be days that you're going to smile. There's days that you're going to laugh. There's days that you're going to cry. There's days that you're going to be angry. But please do not think that it's time for you to self-transition. No, no, no. Call that number in the episode description and just take care of your situation there. And hopefully, day by day, it will get better for you. Now, truly, with all that being said, I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you guys take care of yourselves. You guys are here for me again next Sunday, but also you're here for me again next Saturday because, again, I always talk about wrestling on Saturdays. So if you listen to the wrestling episodes, that's there for you. If you do not, this Sunday episodes are always here for you. So with that, this has been My Two Cents Podcast hosted by G2. He's I and I am him. This isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again. I love you all. I thank you. I pray for every single one of you every day. And I really do mean that. And I want you guys to go into this week with a smile and you're ready to take charge or whatever you got to do so again with that i love you guys i thank you and with that being said kanye could you please take these people home i'm tired you tired Uh jesus wept